0: All right, so if you are new around here or joining us for the first time in a while, um, we have been preaching verse by verse through the book of John. We're going to be diving back into John uh, the next weekend and be in it for for, uh, part of the summer. And so I hope you'll, if you're in town, hope you'll be here next weekend as we dive back into John. Um, But today we're going to pause and because of the day, the weekend, that this is Memorial Day weekend, I want to talk about memory. And that's more specifically, some of you are like, uh-oh, it's starting to fade, right? I, that, I want to talk about remembering specifically and more importantly, remembering some of the things that God has done, the things that God has done in our lives and how important that is. Now, I think it's interesting. Uh, anybody go to any graduation parties in the last few weeks? Yeah, they're all over the place. Lots of graduates. We had a wonderful moment where I think we had nine uh, seniors um, here, and they did something on Wednesday just honoring the kids, speaking life into them. A really cool milestone uh, moment, sort of a send-off. And it's so cool to see kids that have been in our youth program. We Our church hasn't been along, around that long, but we've had some kids that have been in the youth program seven years, graduating out, loving Jesus, and uh, we, we just can't wait to see what they do in this world. But I think it's interesting, you go to a graduation party and you look at, there's typically like photos, right? You have the chubby baby picture, and then all, you know, the, the cute like third grade picture and all the way up, usually a lot of times, you know, and the parents are like, I can't believe how fast this went. Any parents feel like that with your kids? Can't believe how fast this went, right? And the kids are just like, freedom! We're, and we're like, adulting, it's coming. <laughs> and so, you, you, we, we, we stop, we remember, And we celebrate life. And then I think it's interesting if you are married at your wedding. A lot of you had a a slideshow uh, at your wedding or a video. Uh, We had this really cheesy one, uh, all sentimental, you know. And it was me and baby pictures and growing up into a studly young teenage boy. And then, you know... um, and then Elizabeth, all pretty and cute and growing up. And finally our stories merge, you know, and, and then dating. And then um, there we are at the wedding. And we pause and we remember. Anybody else have one of those? Yeah, okay. That's just me. And we pause and we, and we take a moment to remember and celebrate life, don't we? To remember a milestone in life. And then an interesting thing happens, and I think for many of you, you might identify with this um, so you have a slideshow, you look at pictures when you graduate, you look at pictures when you get married, and then fast forward, hopefully a long time, hopefully a lot of years, and you have a slideshow when you die. I've done quite a few funerals as a pastor, almost always. There's a slideshow where we remember a life, but in that, I don't know, 40, 50, 60, hopefully a lot of years, in between the wedding or the graduation and that moment, In between those moments, I feel like a lot of times it just feels like somebody hits a fast-forward button. And you're like, where did the years and where did the decades go? And in the midst of that, I think something we don't do very well as a culture is pause to remember pause to remember and nationally that's what we're doing this weekend. It's not just about the hot dogs in the lake and you know going to the mountains for the first time or whatever. That's fun. But it's a, a sacred moment to pause and remember those who sacrificed everything for us. And and as Christians, hey I think it is so vital. It is so vital both to have the habit of pausing and remembering life as you live it and celebrating moments. We, our family did this, uh, we've been doing this cool thing for five, six years. We started it um, where right at the beginning of the year, New Year's Day usually, or if we're traveling uh, over the next few Monday nights, it's turned into like the whole month of January on Monday nights. We go back and we look at all of our like, pictures you know you have a digital phone and you take a thousand pictures or five thousand and we go back and we look at all of our pictures from the previous year and just remember oh wow those are really cool moments those are really cool memories look at the family times we had and it's been a really neat thing my my kids love it they really look forward to it and now we've been going back going through more years and it's kind of a neat way but I think it's important to pause both just in life in general And remember the good things. Remember the blessings. Remember even the the very difficult seasons. But then also to remember what God has done. It's critical in your walk with God because life is full of change. Life changes quickly and, and times aren't always good. And in fact, usually for many people, it's in the times of trials where the memory of what God has done in your life and the confidence in in God sort of drifts into the background and many people become disillusioned in their faith and doubt starts to enter in. And it's in those moments that many people end up just walking away or more sort of drifting away. And it's not that they ever woke up and said, I just don't believe it. It's, It's literally that there was a hardship and a trial in life and they were disillusioned, and they had doubts, and that led to just detaching from God ultimately, which is, I think, one of the reasons it's so important to keep the memories of what God has done in your life fresh, to keep them on the forefront, not let them just fade away into the distant memories. Uh, One of the things you see over and over again in Scripture is God says, remember. All throughout the first five books of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, uh, God commands his people, remember, don't forget he says, I want you to teach these things to your children. Deuteronomy 6. So I talked about that a little bit over the last couple weeks. Teach these things to your children when you rise up, when you lie down, when you, you, know, when you go to the soccer field. Um, and you, you're rushing kids out. Remember the things that God has done. Remember his instructions. Talk about these things. Don't let these. He set up things like the Passover year after year after year where they would remember the deliverance of God and they would celebrate and look forward to it. The Feast of Booths we talked about a few weeks ago in, in John where they would remember the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God and how God sustained them as they lived in tents in the desert. The kids would love it. They'd look forward to this. Remember, he says. and In Deuteronomy, he says something really profound. He says, hey, when you get into this promised land that I'm bringing you into, you're going to enter into a land and life's going to be good. You're going to live in these great houses. There's going to be vineyards and and like... It's going to be easy. No more like living in tents in the desert. When that happens, don't forget God. Don't somehow think, oh, wow, look at what I did. Look at how how great I am. Look at how successful I am. And forget that it was God who delivered you, that God that did these things in your life. Remember, it's something God commands over and over again. And so today what we're going to see is actually we're going to look at a passage in Joshua chapter 3. And this is after the death of of Moses. God calls Joshua to be the new leader of the people of Israel. And he's going to tell him multiple times. I think it's it's significant, multiple times. Be strong and courageous. Joshua, no, I don't think you're getting it. Be strong and courageous. Listen, Joshua, you're you're going to take on some real challenges. You have big shoes to fill. Moses, amazing leader. Be strong and courageous. And here's why, because I'm never going to leave you. Everywhere I'm calling you to go, and you're going to face some battles and some struggles and some things that you don't know the way through. And when you come into those things, remember, I am with you. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. This is something that is echoed to us as followers of Jesus um, in the New Testament. I will never leave you, Jesus says. I will never leave you or forsake you. He's with you. It's actually, I think, the greatest promise that we have. It's lots of amazing promises of God. God but the promise that he is with us. No matter what life looks like, he's with us. And so he tells Joshua this, and then he tells him, get ready, because you're going to go into the promised land. And here, um, I want you to gather the people up and move over, take them to the Jordan River, because you got to get ready. We're going in. They tried it 40 years later, and Joshua, one of the reasons why Joshua uh, is the one who's called to lead Israel in is, remember the 12 spies? They sent 12 spies in. Um, two came back with a good report. One of those was Joshua. He says, God can do this. Yeah, there's giants in the land. Yeah, we don't know how this is going to work, but God can do this. If, if And the others, and they shrunk back in fear and did a lap for 40 years. So that whole generation died off. And so that's where we land in Joshua chapter Three and I'm going to pick up in verse five as Joshua has moved the people to come now and camp by the side of the Jordan River. It's at full flood stage, just a raging river in front of front of them. If you've uh, you know driven by our river, local river here lately, flood stage. Um, you know it's it's pretty full. You wouldn't try to want to try to swim across that. This is where the whole people of Israel, kids, grown-ups, animals, that's where they find themselves camping out. And now God is going to command them to take the next step of faith. Joshua chapter 3 verse 5, it says this, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. He has confidence. God has told them that he's going to act, that he's going to move on behalf of his people. And so Joshua says, hey, God's about ready to do something for you, and so I want you to consecrate yourselves. Literally, the Hebrew word is kadesh. It means to set yourself apart, to be dedicated to God and his purposes. Dedicate yourself to God. Let go of the things you need to let go of. Remember the things he's done. Dedicate that your life will be for him and for his purposes. See, memorials in our life, like Memorial Day, um, part, of, part of the purpose of a memorial is to remind us in the day in, day out of life that we're part of a bigger story. Because it's so easy to get just so focused on our life here and now and how busy it is and how hard it is and all the trials. And I had my fourth dishwasher break this week. Like in 15 years, how did... Do... Anyway, I bought the five-year warranty plan this time. I'm like, I'm just paying the extra money and buy it. So I'm crawling around as I'm prepping to, like, leave for Mexico and, like, rushing around uh, trying to repair a dish or put a new dishwasher in. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, life throws that kind of thing at you and many worse things. That was kind of a, you know, just a hassle all the time, doesn't it? And in the midst of all that, it's so easy to lose, to lose sight of the fact that you're part of a bigger story, that God is at work, that there's a bigger plot line than just your crazy, busy, frustrating life. And see, here's the amazing thing. Jesus tells us, in the midst of you know, the fact that we, we are reminded, and part of you know, the beauty of what we do here when we teach the scriptures is there's this constant reminder in our lives of that fact, that you're part of God's bigger story, a story that started and has a trajectory and Jesus will come again. And in the meantime, the mission is to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and to be his light and to live for his kingdom and his glory and his purposes. And that's what we do. Hopefully on week in, week out is remind you of that. In fact, we have a saying around here, um, and, and uh, we say it all the time, so let's see if you can finish it before I, I even do. Life is for you, not about you. That's good. The old timers are like, we got this one. We know this one. The newer ones, you're going to learn this. Life is for you, not about you. And if you get those things mixed up, life is about you. See, God has, he, he put life for your enjoyment, for your joy. Life is meant to be enjoyed. If you have a picture of God in your mind of some sort of like no humor, angry, like just grumpy all the time. No, that's not our father. Look at Jesus. Amazing humor and all these, you know, and and just this love and care. He cares about the details of your life. He cares about your life. He cares about the frustrations. Jesus tells us he knows your needs before you even bring them to him. But he still wants you to bring them to him because there's relationship that happens there. He knows the number of hair on your heads. And I know that's harder for some of you than others of you. But he loves you. He cares about you. In the midst of the big story and, you know, God holding the universe together, a universe that's so big we can't even comprehend it, he cares about you. He knows your name. He loves you. But the story's about him, not about you. And it's so easy for us to drift into our heart and our mind of just living from the place, and it's not intentional, and you would never say this, but if you actually evaluate your life, so oftentimes it's easy for us to drift to the place of, well, wow, actually, um, I think I'm the lead actor in the story, and the plot line's all about me. The lead actor in the movie of the story of my life. No, you're a supporting actor, in the movie that's about the epic cosmic purposes of God and Jesus and the redemption of this world. And you're a supporting actor. Sometimes you get to play a pretty cool role. Sometimes nobody knows your name. You just flash through. But literally, for all of us, that's our lives. We're flashing through life, and compared to eternity, um, this life goes by like an instant, doesn't it? As you get older, you realize that. Life just goes fast. And if you get these two things mixed up, that life is actually about you and you're living from that place, you will experience frustration and a sense of futility because you were never designed to live for you. You were designed to live for something bigger than you. You were designed to live understanding your role in relation to God and what he wants to accomplish in this world. And it puts the frustrations into their proper place. And it puts the hardships into their proper place when you recognize, God, this is all about you, not about me. So Joshua says, consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. Now, God tells him, okay, I'm, here's the plan, Joshua. I want you to tell the... The, the priest to go down, carry the Ark of the Covenant down, and I want them to take it down into the water. And uh, when, when you do that, um, you remember that really cool thing I did, uh, Moses, the parting of the Red Sea? Yeah, that cool thing. Well, you guys are going to cross the Jordan River. Joshua's like, awesome. And so he gets the people and... and They they take the ark, and here's what it says. Uh, God tells them actually in verse 8, tell the priests who carry the ark of the covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. So here's your step. God says, I'm going to move. Joshua's seen him move so many times. Joshua has no doubt. But you remember, there's a whole new generation. A lot of the older generation that experienced crossing the Red Sea, they've died off in the desert. They've, you've got kids, maybe distant memory in some of their minds, you know, some teenagers that can tell the story. But it's not like it's, it's fresh, it was 40 years ago. It's been a while. But Joshua knows God's gonna do, God's gonna do it. And so he tells the, the priest, hey, I want you to grab the ark and take it and go down and wade into the river. And they do. And here's the principle from that. Um, there's an old Christian song I remember growing up. Uh, and there was one line in there. It stuck with me ever since. It says, waters never part until your feet get wet. And this is, I've seen a principle of following God and something you need to remember because I'm guessing you've experienced this in your past that maybe God called you into a new thing. God called you to take a step of faith. He called you to, um, to do something for him, maybe to start a business. You knew God was leading you to start a business and it was a risk and, and, or you, you knew God was calling you to get married but you weren't sure that you had all the information um, but you're like, yeah, I, I believe this is what God's calling me to do and you stepped into that um, Or maybe you felt like God was calling you to go into an area of missions or go to a certain school, and you you took a step, and you said, yes, Lord, and you stepped into it. And here's what I'm guessing. You did not have all the information beforehand, did you? And you didn't have all the resources beforehand. And I've seen this over and over again, that God places something on your heart, or he places a calling, or he places a direction as you seek him that he wants you to take. Um, Maybe it's something, you know, as far as like reaching out to somebody in your life and sharing the gospel with them, and you don't know how it's going to go, but you know i got to open my mouth and actually talk about Jesus. And you did. And then this amazing thing happened that the Holy Spirit showed up in that moment and gave you the words and you look back and you're like, well, I don't even know how that happened. But you still had to say yes. You had to open your mouth. You had to take the step he was calling you to take. But the hard part about this is you don't see the the road until you step into it. Oh, you had a good business plan. You you did your due diligence, right? Right. But I bet it didn't go just according to your business plan, did it? God had some other detours. He had some other directions. Sometimes you look back and God's plan was wildly bigger than your little amount of faith. Your faith was this big. God's plan was this big. And you stepped into it. You took that first step and then it began to unfold. I've seen this over and over and over again when it comes to following God. Waters don't part until your feet get wet. You have to step into God's calling before you see how it's going to work out. It's just the principle of faith. I know, it's uncomfortable. We like information ahead of time. You don't always have it, right? Same thing goes for for business, uh, getting married. (laughs) There's always an element of risk, isn't there? How many of you had 100% of the information before you got married? (laughs) Anybody? Not me. If you did, if you thought you did, then you're like, uh, I did not, right? Anybody experience that? You didn't have it all, did you? But you knew God was calling you. You stepped into something. This doesn't mean being foolish in life. I mean, we're called to, to be wise and make wise plans and really diligently seek the Lord and what he's calling us to do and the direction. And then sometimes he speaks clearly and leads. Other times you just, you know, you step out making a wise choice with, you know, using the best information. But if you're always trying to wait till you see the end of the journey and how exactly the path of how you get there, you're never going to get anywhere in your journey of following God. That's what faith is about. He calls you. He invites you into an adventure in life. And you take a step, and then you see the next step. You know, when we first planted the church, I know, I've told this story before, and some of you have heard it because you've been with us a long time, but others are brand new. When we first started the church, um, we still thought planting a church was uh, a couple years down the road. God really started speaking to us in 2012, um, reaffirming something he planted in our hearts five years before that about church planning. And we still thought, wow, well, this is a couple of years down the road. Things were good. Had a good, you know, in a good place. Um, secure. And I remember just feeling the sense of, but I need to take the first step towards getting to this. And we had this kind of wild, crazy idea at the time of using video ministry and planning all these campuses and different things. Little did we know we'd have to go completely to video during the year 2020. Um, <laughs> and so we said, well, what's the first step? And I'm like, well, we could start, like, exploring this whole video thing. So I met with my friend that was a, a professional video guy, and like, hey, what camera should I buy? I want to buy a camera and start, like, experimenting and doing some interviews and stuff. And uh, he, he hooks me up. He's like, hey, buy these, buy these cameras, and then they're not very expensive. You'll spend $600 instead of $10,000, and they're, you know, except for pros, you can't really tell the difference. And then he says, and then go buy all these, um, go just start collecting old Nikon lenses because the glass is amazing, you know, from the 80s. And so I start going to garage sales looking for old lenses and finding some cool stuff. And, and uh, it was on one of those mornings after take that first step when I was going out to a garage sale that I turned around and drove into this parking lot and saw a sign that said Event Center. And we're like, what is that? And I went around the corner and with my son, who was real little at the time. We looked in the window. There's this beautiful room. It's now where the treadmills are over in the gym next door. And I felt a strong prompting of God saying, here's your space. Go for it. I'm like, we were a couple years down the road still. We were just taking steps. And see, I think that's the way God works. You got to take the step that he's placed in front of you. Take a small step. And after you do that, he's going to make a way for a bigger step. Water's part when? When your feet get wet. Verse 15. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priest carried the ark and reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a great, in, in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zerathon, while the water flowing down the sea to the Sea of Ereba, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So here's the moment, the dramatic moment when God moves. Now, when it comes to our God, he is the creator of the universe. You and I are made in his image, and part of that is the creativity that I think he wants you to live life with. Being the creator of the universe, our creator God is more creative than anyone in the course of history. And here's something else I've noticed about God. He rarely does things exactly the same way twice. Like If you look at, if you look at the miracles of Jesus, they're all different. You know, one guy, he's like, they, they uh, drop him through the roof. He's like, wow, oh, your sins are forgiven. Get up. Right? Another guy, he spits. Put some mud in his eyes. Uh, Jesus, and one of them, Jesus is like, hey, uh, take those water jars and fill them. I'm going to do something really cool here. Baptists aren't going to like it. Just warning you. He's creative. And he, and here's something uh, that I find really interesting. <laughs> About this passage. I, when I studied this, maybe, I don't know, a, l- a lot of years ago, this, this this struck me, and I started studying it, um, because uh, here's a little nugget in here, and I think, uh, I'm not 100% on this, but I'm like 90-some percent that this is how this all went down. It says, as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan, and their feet touched the water's edge, the water upstream stopped flowing. So, as soon as the water upstream stopped flowing, it piled up in a great heap or in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zerathon Now, here's what I think is happening here. I, I researched this, and the best, we think, piecing things together from history is this town is like 16 miles upstream. There's this narrow spot. And what we believe, what I think happened here, is that actually God sent a little earthquake or something, and there was a landslide that actually cut off the water for a time. Now, I don't know. He could have just stopped it up there. But here's why I think this is interesting, because Joshua had experienced the dramatic moment in the Red Sea. Anybody remember that? You watched Charlton Heston or the Prince of Egypt, the cartoon? And like, you know, Charlton Heston, Moses is up there with his his rod raised, you know, and his epic beard just flapping in the wind. And the sea parts and walls of water, and they pass through, and then the Egyptians that are chasing them down to try to kill them, um, the waters cover them. Like, you you wouldn't forget that moment, right? And Joshua was like, cool, this is going to be amazing. And then here's what I think happens here. It says the waters were cut off. I think the waters were cut off um, 16 miles upstream as soon as the priest's feet touched the water. So they wade down into the water, and I guess they're getting about ankle deep, calf deep, and they get out there and then they're like, okay, we're in the water. And if it was cut off 16 miles upstream, it would have taken hours for that water to have completely drained out. But the water was cut off, the water drained out. And here's why I think this is, this is significant. Because, I th- because God moved immediately when they took the step of obedience. But my guess is they didn't see it immediately. That it took a while. That God moved like that. It just took them a little while to realize it. I think this is a powerful thing in our lives because I think this is, is the place when we lose faith, you know, lose our, our walk of faith. Because we step into something, and we don't see it start working exactly the way it we thought it was going to work. It didn't look like the last time. God didn't work. I mean, I think Joshua might have been standing there thinking, well, okay, this is cool. God, uh, you said you were going to do this. Um, I remember. Do your thing. Do I need to go, like, carve a, a, a rod? Maybe that's what I need. I'll go carve me a quick, like, Moses staff. I'm making this up. That's not in the Bible. And just be clear about that. This is my... Speculation, okay? Because <laughs> I think God very creatively did things in a, in a little bit different way. But he acted immediately. And I think in some of your lives, you've been praying, or you prayed about something, or you've taken a step, and you just don't know it yet. You haven't seen it. But he began to move immediately in your life. He began to make the way. Some of you, you put that together as you look back. You look back and you put, in fact, normally, <laughs> normally experiencing the hand of God and God moving in powerful ways in your life circumstances as you pray and as you seek him, you don't put two and two together until usually a couple of years down the road. When you look back and you go, oh, that's what you were doing. You did that and that led to that and here we are. I didn't even see that at the time. And so often when it comes to the ways of God, um, I, I think this is the way he worked. The water was cut off. Um, in the meantime, it's often uncomfortable though because you're like, God, where are you? When we, uh, when we planted the church, I remember uh, a year into it, it wasn't going so great. <laughs> it was going a lot slower than we thought. And we knew, so we, we knew we were supposed to go full-time with this thing, and so we, we set a launch date, and we had this great prayer send-off. Um, you know, in the other church I was an executive pastor at because we just did Saturdays just for the first year, and then we knew we were going to add Sundays and, and follow God in this. And, and in the meantime, in fact, it's interesting because I, um, I was preaching about Joshua. Faith! And in the midst of that, uh, t- ten, uh, not quite 10 years ago, 2014, January, before we launched our Sunday service, I was preaching this passage about Joshua and stepping out in faith and doing the things God's called you to do. And I get a phone call. You might not have a place to meet anymore. And so we had this big prayer send-off, and I'm freaking out. Everybody's cheering for us, and I literally walk off stage, and I'm praying with one of my buddies, an elder, (laughs) about, God, are you going to provide a place this might not even work out at all? And I think life's a lot like that. We didn't have the faith for what God was going to do. Four months later, he was moving us into a giant empty hardware store. Didn't see that one coming. (laughs) He had a plan. I didn't have that kind of faith. But he moved. He was already at work. He was at work behind the scenes. And some of you, in the situation you're going through, you've committed it, you've taken a step of obedience, and you just haven't seen the fruit of that yet. Don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. Keep going. Because I think during this moment, as, you know, they might be standing there for, I don't know, minutes, hours, I don't know how long. (laughs) Maybe feeling a little silly, and then somebody goes, look, the water's going down. And before you know it, the river in front of them dries out. Verse 16. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Success. This is success at this point. God has come through. They have seen um, in the, you know, the entry of the promised land, they have seen the first major miracle of God. They're going to see more than this. They're going to see some amazing things. Joshua is going to see some amazing things. Other things that God does. Um, only once in history, sun stand still. Joshua fought the battle of what? Jericho. And the walls came tumbling. God's going to do some amazing things. But this was only the first step in many victories, many setbacks, many defeats. And see, I think the thing that, that, that is important about recognizing about Joshua, his name, Yehoshua, means it's a combination of Yahweh, an uh, abbreviation of Yahweh, the Lord's sacred name, and salvation. Yahweh is salvation. Salvation his name means. And, and Joshua would be used by God in this role of bringing his people through the Jordan and into the promised land. Yehoshua. Joshua. But the thing about Joshua's life is, is he, he had experienced the power and presence of God in powerful, dramatic ways that marked him. And he was as passionate about following God when he was at the very end of his life as he was at the beginning. And I think something to keep in mind, because this is, we're so much about the dramatic moments in life that we forget that life is, faithfulness in life is measured in lifetimes. Now those moments are important because they're moments when you step into something and say yes to God. They're important. But faithfulness is measured in lifetimes. And oftentimes the lifetime isn't all that dramatic. You know, in Scripture, uh, these are written on scrolls. Part of what that means is there wasn't an unlimited number of space on a scroll. Um, We could have had a lot longer Bible, but the Holy Spirit gave us what he wanted us to have. And you know what? We do see some highlights. Because a lot of times in Scripture, you'll see God did this amazing, powerful thing. And then five years go by. God showed up and spoke to Abraham. You're going to have a son. And then years go by. God, where were you? I know you said that thing, but where are you now? Years go by. God told Noah, build an ark, and a hundred years go by before he saw the fulfillment. See, faithfulness, these moments, when God does these things, these moments are meant to be markers in our life because faithfulness is measured in the context of lifetimes finishing well is as important as starting well. I want to finish. I want to finish this walk in this journey on this earth however long God gives me. Saying God, uh, like the Apostle Paul said, I have run my race. I have kept the faith. I completed the things that God gave me to do. Now there awaits for me a crown of glory. And you know what we get to do with that crown of glory? Lay it in worship at the Lord's feet. That's the Christian life. All right, here's how this story wraps up. Joshua 4, verse 1. It says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign, as a marker, Signpost. Hey, remember something. God is faithful. A signpost. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people forever. Memorials. God calls them to set up a memorial. Something that reminds them of God's faithfulness. Something that reminds them of the active, present hand of God in their lives. Something they can point their kids to and go, look at that. What's that, Dad? Oh, let me tell you this story. Memorials remind us of God's faithfulness. Memorials remind us of God's faithfulness. And this is so important because God never guarantees that life is going to be easy. Um, If you hear a preacher uh, telling you that, you know, just follow Jesus and everything's going to be okay and life's going to be rosy, he's just trying to sell you something, okay? Jesus never promised that. In fact, he promises that life will be, there will be trials in life. But he, but don't lose heart, He has overcome the world. That's the promise. But memorials, part of what memorials in our life do is what God has called us to do is to keep the memory fresh of the things that he's done in our lives. That's why the feasts of Israel, he sets up these feasts that they constantly did with their families to remind them. He tells, I want you to do this, the rhythm of Sabbath, of worshiping the Lord every week, setting aside time to worship the Lord. It's part of that. Now, you can be a Christian and not be part of a church community, but that's not the way you were designed to live because there's a rhythm to what happens here that keeps your heart coming back and focused on God and his purposes. Memorials. And here's what I think is, is true about memorials. Um, they have to be set up on purpose. Otherwise, they just fade away. And you have some things that God has done in your life that maybe if you stopped and thought about, you would go back and you go, oh, man, you have some moments, and I have some of these moments in my life where where they're literally what I call, I know that I know that I know that I was God moments. Like no doubt or question in my mind. God moved. And you know what? Those moments, although we're not called to live on the dramatic moments, those moments are markers in our life that when things begin to get rough, we look back on and go, man, remember what God did. He's still with me. He promised to be with me. He's going to get me through this too. God, what's your purpose in this? I can't see it now. I may not see it in this lifetime, but I'm going to trust you in this. Memorials remind us of what God has done, but you have to be purposeful about them. And my challenge to you is what what are the things that God's done in your life that you have just sort of let fade away? The story that you're like, oh, yeah, I never told the kids about this or the grandkids about this. I think it's vital in life to have some things that remind you. Like, we started doing that thing, you know, where we look back at the family photos on purpose every year. Where you have things, you have moments in your life that God moved in a powerful way. You need to, you know, not just have those as a memory that dies when you die, but as something you frame and you pass on to your kids or you have something that reminds you of that. And you're like, let me tell you about this. You know what I think for these guys... Um, when, when, when they crossed that and, and pointed that out to their kids, I don't think that should have been the first time they heard the story, right? It's like, oh, that's the place, Dad. You told me all. I remember that. Now we get to see it with our own eyes. That's the stories that God has done, the times that God has moved in your life. And, and let me just say, if you don't have any stories, maybe there's a step of faith he's calling you to take. Maybe he wants to begin to give you some. As you step out and you're obedient to the Holy Spirit, as you begin to share your faith, as you begin to take a step maybe in the community that you feel like he's calling you to take or in the church or um, in a business thing or a family thing or stepping into a relationship you know he's calling you and you're a little scared, nervous or whatever, you begin to take those. You begin to see his hand at work. You gotta write it down. Some of my favorite things, um, I, I think journaling is a great way to set up a memorial in your life. Some of you do this really well. I do this not very well, but what I have done over the years is um, in seasons and moments where there's a big struggle or things, I've recorded my prayers, and then I've kind of gone back and recorded, wow, this is the way God moved, and it's been a powerful thing. I, as a, I was writing this yesterday. I went back and looked through my journal, and I, w- I was like amazed. There was this very specific prayer I prayed three years ago, and I'm like, whoa. You did that, God. (laughs) In a powerful way. You moved. And I didn't even remember that I prayed that. (laughs) Very specific. It is important to write it down. Some of the the things that have the most impact on my life have been books, some missionary books. One of my favorites, Is That Really You, God? by Lauren Cunningham. If you haven't read it, you you should read it. You know what? Other people's stories, when you write something down, when you record something, when you don't let the memory just sort of fade into the past because life is so busy, isn't it? Their stories can become your stories. Your stories can become other people's stories. We're getting ready to take, uh, well, we've got 47 people going to Mexico. Um, A bunch of them are already driving down. But what's really cool too, we had a family just drive in like right before service yesterday, the Calispam. We had taken another pastor with us last week and that pastor was moved in his heart and so they asked them and they helped their church lead a team down and they just built a house last week. So we're going to build three houses. Well, we didn't, but people from our church are going to help build three houses over these two weeks and you're a part of that. But what's really cool is with a family um, on the Homes of Hope trip years ago, um, a rather large family. They they were like, God, I don't know if we should go. And the moment they stepped out and go, went, we're going to do this, step of faith, that exact day God stepped in and provided in this powerful way. And I got to sort of be the the in-between, the middleman. And it's those moments as you, as you, if you don't record them, you're just going to forget about them. Some of you, You don't know it yet, but you have a book in you. You need to be writing things down. You need to be spending time remembering what God has done in your life, and you need to be intentional about remembering those things. Because your story is about more than you. God wants to use the things he's doing in your life to encourage other people as they follow him. Now, I'm going to invite Winston to come up. We're going to close in a little bit different way today. See, over the centuries, the name pronunciation of Jehoshua was abbreviated just a little bit and became used, it was used interchangeably with a shorter version known as Yeshua. And 1,400 years after Joshua led his people by the power of God into the promised land, An angel would appear and speak to a scared, confused young man who just found out that his fiance was pregnant. Had some crazy story. And here's what the angel would say. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Yeshua. Because he will save his people from their sins. And just as Joshua would lead his people, the people of God, into the promised land, where they were to live lives that pointed to the the glory and goodness of God, Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, would open the door for every tribe, every tongue, every nation to experience forgiveness, salvation, and life eternal, to be part of the family of God, to be called sons and daughters of God. And our Savior, Jesus, Yeshua, on the night that he would be betrayed, he took a ceremony, a memorial that God had set up 1,400 years before, and now Yeshua. Remember, Yahweh's salvation. (laughs) Yahweh is salvation. Literally, his name means. Why? His name means salvation. Yahweh is salvation, and God in the flesh. If you've been with us in John, God in the flesh, Jesus would take this ceremony he set up 1,400 years earlier and he'd say, hey, what this has been pointing to the whole time was this moment. It's been about me and about what I'm about ready to do for you. And he set up a memorial, a memorial that his church, his body, his assembly all around the world has been celebrating now for 2,000 years. It's a time when we remember on purpose. And what we're going to close by doing is we're going to celebrate this memorial on Memorial Day weekend. Paul would remember it this way. In 1 Corinthians 11, he would say, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus until he comes. And here's what we're going to do. As we pass out the, the, the bread in the cup. Today. Uh, if you're not comfortable taking it. That's okay. Just let it pass by. But if you take that. Would you hold on to it. And we're going to take it together. After Winston sings this next song. But we're going to let you stay seated. And I want to do this a little bit differently today. Some of you. You're here by yourself. I want you to take a moment to ponder. To pray. To reflect. Maybe you. Want to pull out a pen or jot a note down? And just, I want you to remember some of the things that that God has done in your life that have sort of slipped off the radar. Some of the times you've seen him step in in powerful ways. And if you're here with your spouse or or a good friend, I want you to actually um, talk to him or a family member. I want you to talk and I want you to share some of the things that you're like, oh yeah, there was this one time God did this. I want you to tell some stories about the faithfulness of God in your life. We should remind each other. You remember when God did this? Yeah, that was pretty amazing. Some of you need that encouragement right now in your life. So as we pass this out, let's do this as Winston sings, and then I'll come back up. We'll take communion together.